0: Welcome back to Shoot the Bit, podcast number 16. A lot has happened these couple weeks, or a couple week actually, because I've been doing this a lot more regularly, but I guess the biggest thing between the last time I did a podcast and this time is that iOS 9 is out, and um, Apple claims that Siri has gotten a lot better, so I went and gave it a go, and I've been using it for a week now, and Siri has gotten better, but not by much, if that makes sense. The audio recognition is still kind of shit, so when I ask it to play to Quali, it still bring something up about a live quail like it, i don't even know how it does it but it does make some more sense out of stuff that doesn't make sense where like it'll recognize that the voice recognition is a little off but it will still take you to like certain parts of the site so like i told it to adjust some notifications uh, some notifications and it still took me to the notification center even though it had like picked up something about like i am just something and then the word notification. So I don't know if they're just being like, oh, notifications, therefore you want to go to notifications, which is actually kind of bad. Or if they've gotten a lot smarter about what the alternatives to what we're asking could be for what it picked up on the audio stuff. Either way, they got a long way to go. Overall, it's not a bad update, though. I don't want to like sound doom and gloom and broom because I actually do use it. And I'm probably going to end up upgrading my phone to the 6S Plus or whatever the shit just came out just simply because of the new pricing plan that makes it really really affordable to upgrade. That being said, um, I was kind of taken aback by how they're they're doing the apps the open apps now where they're stacking them. I guess that's great because it lowers the clutter when you like zoom out but it makes it really awkward to swipe up and like get rid of multiple ones at the same time Um, another thing that threw me for a loop was the safari when i'm in safari and i want to do request desktop site i mean i guess the the original version the way they did it wasn't very good originally when you went to a site that like sort of forced you or pigeonholed you into a mobile site that was kind of shit and like cut back too many of its um, features. What you would do is you would pull it down. You would click on the address bar, pull it down, and it would be a request to stop site. Now you have to do a long press for the refresh. At which point it'll like tell you, or it'll bring up the menu to request the desktop site. I guess that's that makes more sense, less sense. I don't know. It wasn't a very good thought out feature to begin with, um, and it still isn't. Uh, aside from that, the only thing I can see is like maybe some performance things. Like they, it sort of catches on to when you were running low on battery and it turns it into like a low power mode. I don't know why they didn't roll out with that, or if like they had but it wasn't explicit. Because I know that the Android phones had that for a while, and some of it was explicit. Some of them were explicit about it, and some of them weren't explicit about it. Some of them were like "fuck you," we're in like cheap mode now, and like shit just got really slow. So maybe that's why they wanted to be more um, upfront about it, but. The battery life is supposed to last longer and it does and it doesn't like they sort of fuck you with that where when you upgrade they tend or at least historically speaking what I've noticed is that they it tends to work really well on new hardware and not as hot on the old hardware but you still get a little bit of battery life so I got maybe like one25 like battery life more, like I can go a day and a half without charging my phone as opposed to just a day. So in with with actually like continuous use. So in that regards, that's really, really nice. But I mean on the whole it was, it's not very exciting or anything. It's just look at you look at the IO look at my new thing. We got some redesign and they rolled out the new fonts, which is driving me up the wall. I don't like the San Francisco font. I actually like the Helvetica font a lot better. I was actually hoping they would Take a step back and maybe like buy the rights to accidents grotesque and like load that. But they obviously that they wouldn't right? because they can't lose to Google. They got to roll out their own font since Google rolled out Roboto, right? So not to be outdone, they rolled out San Francisco, which you look, don't get me wrong. It's a nice font and all and it's fairly legible, but I mean, it's not doing it for me. But that's just a personal preference thing. Like, uh, I don't know if the designers that were originally at Apple have like been poached by other companies, or like if they're really trying to just shake things up and try something new. It feels a lot like iOS eight. It feels more of a an extension and continuation than an overhaul. But I mean, on um, and there's some things that are like glitchy here and there. But on the whole, it's it's fine. What is interesting um, is something that Microsoft did actually, and. That is not something you hear me say often. So I saw an article the other day on how Microsoft had taken a Linux kernel and created its own OS based off of that to run its Azure services. Okay. So the article that I read was like, oh, my God, like, sit down. Are you sitting down? Like, you're reading this right. They did this. Oh, my God. Okay. So the reason that they were, like, freaking out about it is because Traditionally, there have been three or four main operating systems, right? There's been Linux, BSD, um, whatever the fuck Darwin is or Apple fucking OS is. And then like the big ass monolithic kernel that is the Microsoft kernel, right? And so for a company, so in their eyes for a company like Microsoft to basically say, no, we're not going to use our kernel for that. Or we're not going to use our operating system for that. We're going to use a Linux operating system that is so like far fetched or like, like, oh, it's a betrayal right but think about it this way microsoft is an operating systems company that's their main product now some people will be like well no they got like other products like xbox and they got the microsoft office suite and some software stuff right but if you stop and think about what their most ubiquitous product on the market is is their operating system all right they ship it on dells they ship it on hp they ship it on like uh what other like lenovo and like all this stuff comes with um, with Windows, right? And so, like, that and – well, no longer IE because they rebranded it, but that and their browser for the longest time um, was their number one product. Like, there is more copies of – I'm willing to bet that there is more copies of Windows OS than any other piece of software that Microsoft has written out there, right? So – for a company that specializes in building operating systems, for them to build another operating system to better do their Azure scalable network stuff, that's not surprising. So the fact that they pick Linux for, like, the reliability stuff, it's a microkernel, you can start adding shit on it, and you can do whatever you want to it. Um, and above all, it has, like, infinite uptime. Well, I mean, idealistically, it's like, the idea of a Linux kernel is that it should have, like, zero to no downtime, Right. Obviously, that's not true um, depending on what distribution you're using. Uh, Some distributions hold more true to that than other distributions, but um, for the most part, like the the most common distribution is probably Ubuntu, and that one has to go down for certain kernel updates. But theoretically, you should be able to just hot swap anything in and keep the OS running forever. That being said, if you're going to make a web cloud services, right, for everybody. Um, everybody for everybody, right? They're they're doubling down on their Azure services, which is also smart because they're backing off of their licensing and saying, hey, we're gonna start giving you a lot of this shit for free. But look, we have these services that are those these like uh, cloud services that we're gonna double down on, like Amazon did that we that we've seen has been proven in the market to work, and we want them to be really reliable. So we're gonna build another operating system for the ground up to run these on. That is fucking smart. That's really smart. So I don't know. So this uh, reaction of being like, oh, I can't believe they did that. They're not using their Windows kernel. Like, oh, my God, that is a consumer based kernel. Like really like their enterprise and their um, like it shouldn't be used as a server and l- let alone a server that you need to keep up 100 percent of the time and shit like that, which is why they're also probably like really doubling down on the open source, like .NET framework that you can now run on a Linux kernel, right? It's smart. They're doubling down. They, they basically integrated all the mono shit. Um, mono being a package that you use on Linux to run C sharp, which was traditionally only done using DLLs on windows and putting their money on this new um, cloud service stuff. And, you know making sure that it's up 100% of the time it's really really fucking smart so that's basically I think so the two things that I saw that there was one more thing I saw something about like these companies have betrayed us blah 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 blah, 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 because they're signing like some uh, government stuff with the like security act basically they're they're covering their own ass in that like if they lose or they sell or they do any shit with your personal data, um, they don't wanna be held liable, right? And that's that's understandable from a company point of view. Is that the best like thing for the consumer? No, obviously fucking not. But a lot of the things that companies do are not the best thing for the consumer, right? That's the point. They're companies, they're gonna cover their own ass, they're gonna protect their own investments, they're gonna protect their money. So why are you surprised that they're trying to sign this thing to not be held liable for your data okay people th- are thinking of data like um customer data or like big data or data analysis and all that shit they think of it as a commodity but if it's sensitive data it's not a commodity it's not a like asset it's a risk right because because with with great data comes great responsibility or you know some bullshit like that um but but really that 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 is it like if you're going to be accumulating data and it's sensitive data then you are now liable to to basically secure that data you can't just be like handing it around like what if like your doctor or um so this is where this is where this could be bad if these companies that have tried to like not be liable for your data get a contract with like Kaiser Permanente or something like that right and now they're handling like I mean, that one's not that's not a great example because um, anything dealing with medical records has to be HIPAA compliant, which is a set of uh, rules and regulations that guess who the government has put in place to basically protect us and our medical data. Um, so that that doesn't really, really count. But let, let's say that that wasn't in place. And then these companies were now doing contracts with these things. They would no longer be held liable for any like breaches stuff. Right. Which means that the buck would get passed on obviously, uh, Kaiser would probably be like, uh, in the agreement, in the online agreements, be like you agree to this and we're not liable for that shit. So then who's liable? Nobody's liable and then you're fucked, right? So it's not good. Um, there's a lot of hubbub going on going on about this. Uh, I'm, I guess, I'm like, as a consumer, you should be against it, right? If I don't own a company that runs any of this shit, I'm not part of the company that's trying to, or the company, I don't know if I would fall follow- Here, this is where it gets weird because you, let's say you start uh, an LLC, right? And that company is basically you and you're contracting and then you fuck up someone's data. I don't know if this regulation that they're trying to pass will protect you, the company, and subsequently the individual from like a lawsuit, right? That's where it gets kind of gray. So there needs to be like some sort of statutes of limitation where like if it's gross negligence or incompetence, the reason that you your the data got leaked, they should definitely be held liable. But um people are just overreacting they're like, Oh my god, they don't wanna take credibility for all their shit and uh freaking out, right? So basically the internet's being the internet. And speaking about the internet being the internet, nothing more than they like to do it what? That's not even proper English. What would that statement be? There's nothing more than the internet likes to do than take something little and make it into something much bigger than it is. And in that sense or inspiration, I think it's kind of weird, I don't know if you guys have been seeing this, that NGINX is like now making a really big conference for their software. So the reason I think of this as weird is because traditionally I've thought of NGINX as a very lightweight, um, small but powerful, and uh, server, basically server software, um, and I think it's kind of weird that they're like trying to like make this into this huge thing, so I've been looking at the itinerary for this, and like some of the conferences that they're doing is flawless application delivery for the modern web, Nginx Vision to enable the digital to future, and the future of Nginx and Nginx Plus and all this shit, and so it has me a little worried because I use this software a lot, and because because it's good, because it's lightweight and it can handle a, a multitude of connections, right? Not only that, you can configure it so that you optimize the amount of cores that you have on the server, right? So it's a beautiful, lightweight, fast, like wonderful piece of software that I use a lot. And it worries me that I see this like Nginx and Nginx Plus stuff because I'm worried that with the exposure and, you know, like, how big they're trying to make it, like, the software will get bloated with a bunch of shit it doesn't need, right? But but maybe not because, like, some of the the conferences that they're doing is that they're talking about, like, building stuff around Nginx and using, like, other pieces of software, like Nginx and Zookeeper for dynamic load balancing and development and stuff like that um, in order to basically deploy and, like, use Nginx um on certain things so like they talk about TLS encryptions in the nginx config they talk about like that kind of stuff i mean it's got a bunch of freaking awesome like configuration settings that actually make sense on like apache's fucking shit um that sort of let you really handle and really dig down and really tweak the performance aspect of of nginx right and, and the same thing can be said about any software, but the way that the that Nginx handles uh, concurrent connections is a lot more efficient. And we can get into the details of that, but, like, honestly, if you just Google it, like, there's a lot of wonderful blogs that uh, basically get into the knit and grit. I don't want to bore you with that because that's not what I'm – I mean, that's not what I'm trying to do, but I will, I will make the claim that it's uh, – Way uh, better as far as the way that it handles the processes um, than Apache. and Or you can call me out on it. Uh, call me out on Twitter give me a head and be like, no, you're wrong. Here's this blog I wrote. Um, and then I will take your blog, I will see your blog, and I will tell you to shove it. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I guess there's a lot of concern over security and stuff. And it just it worries me because if these guys get big enough they might actually like i don't understand i don't think they're i think they're their own independent company right now but if they get big enough they might get bought out by like a bigger conglomerate and then just shit goes downhill i mean you see that all the time with acquisitions right um and that's probably not something that they have in mind and hopefully that's not something that they do but that is something that legitimately worries me because let's talk about a piece of software that people are now rebuilding in mass right like that you're in a lot of right so let's take software like hootsuite and like social Q and like um what's another publishing software like you know just social media publishing software okay if you think back to 2006 2007 right when that, that shit was still kind of new Uh, There was an application called TweetDeck. All right. TweetDeck still exists, but it's a watered down, stripped down version of what it used to be. So what TweetDeck used to be was an application on your computer that you would download and would allow you to publish to all networks. You got that? All of them. You can publish to anything that you need to publish into. It had um, connectivity for... uh, I think the big one was it had connectivity for Instagram, if I remember correctly. So it had connectivity for instagram, it had connectivity for twitter, it had connectivity for facebook, it had everything. Then twitter acquired it, stripped it down and now it only does twitter. That's fucking bullshit, right? Um, the same thing can happen when like if like we're nginx were to be acquired, they might like strip it down or they might bloat it, they might fuck it up, right? Shit gets fucked up when acquisitions happen. And I mean that re- it's lamentable and it really sucks, but you know, it's a it's a reality of software you know and some sometimes that's the end game sometimes that's not the end game so in that spirit i mean like unless unless like they're i think they are truly open source but like some companies are like truly open source and that's never their end plan and they get um the idea is that they're sort of there to like help the community very altruistic um very altruistic pieces of software right and actually speaking of which i saw something really really interesting there's like an open source like um new c- uh certificate authority c- certificate authority and if you haven't used that um, you should you definitely need to take a look so so j- certificates are ridiculous right because they <sighs> In my mind, you have a certificate authority, right? Like, I forget what the... I think VeriSign is, like, the main certificate authority. And it's just basically some guy that says... uh, Some company that said, I am now a certificate authority by following these rules and I will sign shit for you or whatever. And uh, the reason that's ridiculous is, A, it's not free. Like, a a wildcard certificate for a server for, like, a year runs you about, like, 300 bucks, right? $300. That is fucking ridiculous, right? But, um there's a new company that actually I was really, really excited when I saw this is um they're called let's encrypt and it's a new certificate authority. It's free. It's automated and it's open source, right? Or it's, they say open. I don't know. I think they mean open source. Like basically the idea is that you don't fucking pay for it. That is fucking awesome. Cause that's going to really fuck with those guys and like really disrupt that shit. Like I, I don't know why they, um, they, they hadn't come up with that before. I was like, like, I'm like, of course, like it, it should be free. Why the fuck? Because this, all this shit's going to revolve around like SSH keys and like private shit. Right. Anyway, which is we have open SSH. It's all shit you can do yourself. Right. Like you can create a, a certificate signing request and, and then send it to Verisign, which will fucking pay like charge you like exuberant, exuberant amounts of money to, to sign it and then do all this shit. Right. Um, but These guys, you know, like, they came along and they're like, hey, you know, we want to be free, we want to be automatic, we want to be secure, we want to be transparent, we want to be open, and we want to be cooperative. That's fucking awesome. I mean, because really, what makes one person or entity like more legitimate than another person or any entity i could self-sign my certificates it's just then like well then who the fuck are you i don't know who you are how do i know that you're you and that that makes it a valid certificate and that really that's the the catch is that it needs to be a well-known trusted like cert well a certificate authority at in order for this to work right all right let's switch gears a little bit um and talk about something more (gasps) mathy Math, yes, math, and I promise it won't be it won't be boring. So I heard a story where some students in Massachusetts had figured out how to exploit that lottery. Some some kids from MIT had figured out how to exploit that lottery because it wasn't a balanced, uh, truly random game that Massachusetts was offering. And then, as a result of it, I think they at first they did get in trouble, but then then they didn't because theoretically they didn't do anything wrong they were using their skill to to basically play the game and play it well enough that they could extract tons of money from from the from that lottery right it's against the spirit of the game but you know it's technically not cheating because you know it was a skill um it's kind of like when you go to las vegas and you sit down if you're doing too well Las Vegas, they can't accuse you of cheating because they have things in place. I mean, unless you are cheating, then you're in trouble. But they can't accuse you of cheating if you're just doing really, really well or if you're counting cards because that's not cheating. It's a skill. But what they can do is they can ask you to leave because you're playing too good for them. Right. It's a little gray area that goes either way. But anyway, that got me thinking. What if the if you were to do some numerical analysis on the lottery number winnings, right, like the winning lottery numbers and could be the case um because if that's the case that i mean because these guys did find it right um, it could be the case in your state or you know in california or whatever that uh that they're not truly really random right and if if then because it should be a random process but if the numbers aren't random then what that means is that you could theoretically create a mathematical model that would get really good at predicting lottery numbers and so even if it wasn't like you didn't hit the jackpot every time if for every dollar you invested you got like you got $2 back, that's still a, uh, was it 100%? Fuck, this, I shouldn't do this because I'm pretty bad at math um, when it comes to this kind of shit. Um, but if you invest the dollar and you get $200 back, you got 100%, not only 100% back of your investment, right? Because you got the, whole, the dollar back, so you got 200%. I think that's how it works. So you got you get 200% increase, right? So if you were to in, invest $1,000 uh, and you averaged back $2,000, hey, you got yourself a business going, right? I mean, I don't like to advocate that kind of um, thought patterns in mathematics because it's a trap. That's how people fall into playing lotteries. Like, well, if I just play enough of these, I'll I'll win some money, and they try to find that initial high, and that's how you get like the the addiction when there's really no pattern there. Like, it's kind of how um, people are like sort of, or not people, mathematicians. Certain mathematicians can become plagued, uh, infected by the idea of finding a closed form solution for. Primes, right? Okay. And they end up like looking jumping in and looking directly for that solution by applying mathematical concepts, yada yada, yada. There's some people that've really, really tried to find a closed form solutions. Right, here's my thought process on that. You're better off finding or trying to figure out if there even exists a closed form solution for prime numbers, right? Instead of trying to find it the first one. You'd have to assume um you have to yeah, you'd have to assume you would basically have to take you have to take a look at a closed form expression and look at its properties, right? And say, these are the properties of a closed form expression, right? If there exists a closed form expression for prime numbers, then it would be the case that you take a linear or or a some sort of a pattern, uh, right? Zero, one, two, three, four, five, right? That you feed into a function that would then spit out um, the prime numbers, right? So uh, depending on how you count, right? Zero, uh, like... I don't count zero and one, so it'd be like two, three, five, seven, eleven, thirteen, or whatever, and then whatever's next. I think seventeen. That um, that would mean right that the func then then you can extrapolate things that you would think about the function. So that would mean that the function would be one to one, right? So it could be it's probably an injective function. So that would mean that uh, if it takes an input, then then you could reverse it, right? Then you could probably well actually. The reversibility aspect of it might not be as important, but theoretically you'd be able to like take a prime number like 17, feed it back, and get whatever the order number was, right? I, My gut to me says that, um, and I don't know enough about number theory because you will also need to know about number composition a little bit about this to, to sort of to figure it out. My gut says that you can't take a ordered list or an ordered pattern and transform it into a truly irrational, truly unordered pattern. Uh, in mathematics and if that is the case then there is no closed form solution for primes i don't have the mathematic expertise to prove it but that's just what my gut says so because i used to, i used to be one of those mathematicians that would fall into that trap and then they would start trying to find like um, a pattern not pattern well at first i tried to find patterns but then i'd try to analyze it and try to find things and things here and there until one day the light bulb went off and said hey you know what um what does it mean the logical explain what does it mean for there to be a closed form solution and then i arrived to that and then after that i was sort of like relieved i was like ah you know what i don't think there's a closed form solution so i could stop looking for it um i would love it if i could do a contribution like that and just like publish that and be like here you go guys like not what you were looking for but at least we don't have to worry about someone breaking basically all tenants of security because some of the some of the security stuff is um some of the encryption security stuff is based around prime uh basically number primality primality prime numbers um so that would really suck but that that was just my thought all right you know what that i'll leave you with that um to think about see if that stirs any feelings or sentiments in your brain don't forget to follow us at shoot the bit um <laughs> don't forget to follow us at, at shoot the bit on twitter and uh check us out at shoot the bit.com our latest stuff is there Uh, we have some link outs and stuff. It's not a very interesting site, I guess, but you know, it's got some shit there. Uh, and yeah, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening.